Turn with me to Psalm 64. Psalm 64. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked. From the insurrection, the scheming, plotting, and planning of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves. In an evil matter, they justify themselves, they vindicate themselves, they commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So, shall, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away, and all men shall fear, and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord, and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Let's pray. Lord, we come into your presence in the name of thy Son. And Lord, we come in his name with boldness. Because we know you're pleased with him. And we ask that you would hear our prayer for his sake. We ask in his name that you would be pleased to meet with us. To speak to our hearts from your word. And Lord enable us to stand in awe of thy son. And worship him. And trust him. And glory in him. Lord we ask that you would forgive us of our sins for Christ's sake. You taught us in your word to pray that we would have the forgiveness of sins when we pray. And we pray, we confess our sins and pray for forgiveness and cleansing. Lord, we ask through your Son that you'd accept our thanksgiving. We're so thankful for who you are that you're a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And we give thanks for all your glorious attributes. Lord, we pray for our friends that are sick in mind, in body, 
in spirit. We pray for your blessing upon them. Wherever your word is preached, we ask that you would bless it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now most commentators believe that this psalm was written when David was fleeing from Absalom. And that would give us some understanding as to why he's speaking of those who are speaking against him. Now look what uh, he says in verse 2. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection, from the plotting and scheming of the workers of iniquity. He's on the run, and this is how he feels about these people who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search like a politician looking for muck to bring up. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. Now David is... um, experiencing slander, persecution, uh, ill will, people speaking evil of him. And every one of us, listen real carefully, every one of us have experienced that, people misrepresenting us. Every one of us have. And every one of us have dealt it out. Every one of us have slandered people when we shouldn't do it and spoken ill of people when we shouldn't do it. I want to read a passage of scripture. I mean, we identify with David so much, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, for there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. Now you hear that? If you hear your servant uh, speaking evil of you, don't pay attention to it. Now, how do you go about that? For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. You've done it. I've done it to our shame. But whenever you're slandered, and you will be, whenever you're misrepresented, you will be listen to me saying this because I always get angry. (laughs) Don't take it to heart because you've done the exact same things that they've done to you. So may the Lord give us the grace to remember that whenever we're misrepresented, whenever we're slandered. Uh, The Lord's in control of what they said uh, and it was for our good. I think of uh, David when uh, Shemai was cursing him And Abshai said, you want me to go take his head off? He said, no. The Lord said, curse David. Everything they've said, the Lord told them to say. And he's in control of everything. Thank God for that. And you will be misrepresented like David was. And you've done the same. May the Lord give us all the grace to never misrepresent or slander anyone in any way again that's never right and David is experiencing the pain of that as he is fleeing from Absalom 
Now what, look what he says in verse 1, Psalm 64, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Now he doesn't tell the Lord what to do. He doesn't ask the Lord to execute vengeance. He just says, hear my prayer. Hear my prayer. Give ear to my voice. You know, anytime someone misrepresents you, you know what the thing to do is? Nothing. Don't protect yourself. Turn to Exodus chapter 14 for a moment. You know, don't try to get vengeance. Don't try to get even. The Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Verse 13 of Exodus chapter 14, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you've seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. And you, what? Shall hold your peace. You're not going to vindicate yourself. You're not going to try to defend yourself. Trust the Lord for that. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So when David opens his thoughts on being misrepresented and slandered, he says, hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve me. Keep me. Can't you pray that prayer right now? Lord, preserve me. Keep me. I'll, I'll go in every wrong direction. I'll do everything wrong. Preserve me. Keep me. From the fear of the enemy. Verse 2. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked. From the plotting and scheming is what insurrection means from the plotting and scheming of the workers of iniquity which here's what they do who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows even bitter words now i remember when i was a kid I would hear that uh, song, sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. I thought, yeah, they can't. I mean, what can they do? They hurt a lot more, don't they? And he felt the sting of this. Bitter words they shoot and the, they, that they, their arrows, even bitter words, verse 4, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Now here David calls every, himself and every believer the perfect. The perfect. Now, if I'm in Christ, you know what I am? Perfect. Perfect in Christ. Uh, by one offering he hath perfected forever. Then they're sanctified. Every believer is perfect in Christ Jesus complete in Christ Jesus. I lack nothing. I stand before God perfect. Somebody says, well, I'm not perfect. 
I already knew that. And if I say, I'm not perfect, you've got that down already. But in Christ Jesus, I am perfect. I am complete. I am without sin. I am without iniquity. Every believer is perfect in Christ Jesus. And, and David is speaking of these people, and he calls himself this and every believer that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They're not afraid of what they're doing. They think what I'm doing is right. Um, they vindicate. They justify themselves. Look in verse 5. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They say, I've got a reason for doing this. These people deserve this. This is why I'm doing this because they got it coming. I'm totally vindicated in my actions. I I'm, I'm, don't have any problem with it. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares in secret, saying, who shall see this? Who shall see? I'm not going to be exposed. I mean, really what I'm doing is right. I'm not worried about it. I, they're vindicating themselves in their evil words. Look what verse 6 says. They search out iniquities. <laughs> they, uh, it reminds me of a politician trying to destroy another politician so they try to search out things from the from their past to to bring them down you know if somebody wants to search anything on any of us there's skeletons in everybody's closet that can be brought up and what a wicked thing to do to try to search out iniquities to try to destroy somebody to try to bring them down and this is this evil manner they encourage themselves in they search out iniquities they accomplish a diligent search both the inward thought of everyone and, and the heart is deep. What that means is it's the depths of wickedness. Who can know it? It's deep. You're not going to reach the bottom of it. And I think of what Jeremiah said. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. And that's my heart too. That's your heart. That's the heart of all of us by nature. Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And that person who is slandering you and accusing you and misrepresenting you, their heart's deep. Who can know it? The Lord does, though, doesn't he? The Lord does. He's in control of everything. Verse 7, but... I love the word but in the scripture. But God. There's the difference. But. But in spite of all this. God's on the throne. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But God. Shall shoot at them. With an arrow. <laughs> Suddenly shall they be wounded. Now, David understood the character of God, and he knows that this will take place, and God should do this suddenly. You know, you and I don't need to worry about anything. God's going to take care of everything. He'll shoot, and he will shoot suddenly in his own time, and he shall use the weapons that they use upon them. Look what it says, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow, Suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see shall flee away. And here's what he's going to do. Their, their um, 
machinations, their, their uh, words, their whatever it is they're planning to do, he's going to turn them back around on them. Um, there's a very real sense in which this is true. What goes around comes around. Now, I'm thankful in the gospel of grace, uh, what goes around comes around in the sense that I'm righteous in Christ and I'm going to be rewarded for it. That, that what goes around comes around and I'm going to be accepted in the beloved, but it's also true. Uh, when I, I think the best example of this is Haman making those gallows to hang Mordecai on. Oh, he, was going to, he, he had it all planned out how he was going to destroy Mordecai. Guess who was hanged on those gallows that he prepared for Mordecai? Haman was. And you can count on this. The Lord always pays his debts. Do you know that not one sin shall ever go unpunished? Shall not the judge of the earth do right? We can rest in that. He will do right. Verse 8, so shall they make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. And all the sea shall flee away, and all men shall fear. Now, when he says all men shall fear, it's all men that fear shall fear. Uh, all men don't fear God. Uh, all men have fears. We have the fear of mistrust. The fear of not knowing what's going to happen. We have the fear of loss. We have the fear of exposure. We have the fear of punishment. All men have fears like that. But that's not what the fear of God is. The fear of God is that awe and reverence and respect of God that makes you afraid to look anywhere but Jesus Christ alone. That and nothing less is the fear of God. You have the fear of God. If you're afraid to look anywhere but Christ, you can't look to yourself for anything. You look to him as everything in your salvation. Now that is the fear of God. And nothing less, that awe and reverence and respect of God that makes you look to Christ. And all men shall fear. And here's what folks who do fear do. They shall declare the work of God. Now everybody that fears God, here's what they're going to do. They're going to publicly declare. They're going to identify with the message of the work of God. Now when we talk about the work of God, um, creation is the work of God. He created the universe from nothing as an act of his will. And we're just, I like to declare that. Uh, somebody says, I don't believe that. I don't care whether you believe it or not. It's true. This is God. He created the universe as an act of his will. And he is in control of everything. Uh, I, when, when people call that into question, it's just annoying, isn't it? Because everybody knows, deep down, God created the universe. This is his planet. You're breathing his air. 
you're eating his food, the only reason you're alive is because he wills it. This is his universe. He's the creator. And the work of God, we're going to declare the work of God. The work of God is everything that happens in time, isn't it? Everything. Everything. He is the first cause behind. You know, uh, people's objection to that is, well, you're making God the author of evil when you say that. God doesn't need my protection. I'm not going to try to explain away for him. He controls everything. He said, I make peace. I, I, I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace. I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Somebody says, well, that's uh, talking about calamities. Well, it, it, it's talking about calamities and everything else. God reigns. He controls everything. That's how... Romans 8.28 is, so all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The lot's cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. He controls everything. So whatever we're talking about is his work, most especially Salvation is his work. We are trusting completely that salvation is his work and his work alone. It's not by our works. It's not by our doings. It's his work. God the Father elected a people to salvation and gave them to his son. And Christ Jesus worked out their salvation by his perfect obedience and his sin atoning death. He did it all. God the Holy Spirit comes in regenerate, regenerating power and gives life. Salvation's of the Lord. And anybody who fears God, this is going to be obvious. They declare his work. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. No, salvation is his Work And I, I find such joy in that. I find such peace in that. Salvation is of the Lord. And this is what we declare. And all men, verse 9, and all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider of his doing. Now here's a wise consideration. Everything is his work. Everything is his doing. And he is doing everything for his own glory and for the glory of his son. And we just don't need to worry about anything, do we? Nothing to worry about. Uh, everything is his doing. And we love it that way, don't we? We wouldn't want it to be any other way because we love him. Um, this is not just a, a fatalistic view well whatever's going to happen is going to happen no we love him who controls everything we know he does right whatever he does is best glorious altogether lovely and the wise consideration is to consider that everything is his doing i love it that way and then he says in verse 10 the righteous shall be glad in the Lord. It's his doing that makes a man righteous. 
Now, my righteousness is my righteousness, but it's his righteousness made mine. So that I am righteous. Every believer, they have the very righteousness of Jesus Christ as their personal righteousness. Now, David, he's, he's, he's began this psalm with the, the glum uh, people speaking bad about me. And then he remembers who's in control of that. And now all of a sudden he's got back to the place where he remembers, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. When God looks at me, he looks at a righteous man. Someone without sin, someone without guilt. That's what righteousness is. It's not part righteous and part sinful. You're altogether righteous in Christ. But notice how he says this. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord. In the Lord. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. Who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord. There's only one place of peace and safety and security and righteousness. It's in the Lord. So that when God looks at me, all he sees is me being in Christ. Is that what you want? I mean, is that what... Is that really the desire of your heart? Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. I don't want to have anything. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Anything that's got my fingerprints on it, get rid of it. I don't want it. I want to be found in him. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. Now, we trust, don't we? But that trust is in him. The emphasis is not really our trust, but the emphasis is in him. According as he hath chosen us in him. We're accepted in the beloved. That's where the righteous trust. They trust in him, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart. Now that is a description of every believer. What about your heart? You just quoted that scripture that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? How can you talk about your heart as being upright in heart? Well, didn't the Lord say, blessed are the what? Pure in heart. Every believer has got a new heart. A pure heart. That's the heart that believes. That's the heart that sees the glory of Christ. Now, here's what the upright in heart will do. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. What's that look like? Well, let's end this up by turning to Galatians chapter 6. You know, the gospel sheds a lot of light on the Psalms, doesn't it? 
You can't possibly understand the Psalms apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the gospel, you see the glory of everything that David says. The Psalms mirror our experience. David expresses better than what we can express ourselves in all of his experiences. I'm so thankful for the Psalms. He says, the upright in heart, those with new hearts. He said, a new heart I'll give you. Uh, Not an improved old heart, but a new heart. A new heart I'll give you. Well, here's what it means when they glory. Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. I want to look good. I want everybody to see how uh, holy I am or how religious I am or how committed I am or how uh, used I am. Or, uh, a fair show in the flesh. That would represent all of man's religion. A fair show in the flesh. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. They tell you what you need to do. They tell you what work you need to perform. Here's what you need to do to reach my level. Here's what you need to do. They constrain you to be circumcised. This is what you need to do to please God. Why do they do this? Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They give you something to do because uh, that's going to keep them from being experiencing any of the persecution that's involved in preaching the cross of Christ, Christ alone, the full salvation that's in him. Verse 13, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. They tell you to keep the law. They don't keep it. Pure hypocrisy. They don't keep the law. They tell you to, but they don't. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Look how I've I've, uh, been used by God to help this person. I must be uh, special. I've affected this person's life. It's just glorying in the flesh. Now here's the glory that David is speaking of and Paul speaks of. Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory, that I should have confidence in, that I should boast in, that I should find rest in, that I should hope in anything save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I glory in. What my Lord accomplished on Calvary's tree. I glory in that. I boast in that. I'm not boasting anything in me, but oh, I'm boasting in Christ. I have boldness to enter into the very holiest by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We glory in that. We boast. We rejoice. We hope. We have confidence in. He says, now I'm not to glory in anything except for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me you know in light of the cross this is not talking about the planet this is my father's world I I love this planet I love the earth and the Lord's going to change it all I realize that but um, the values of the world 
the religion of the world, the um, maxims of the world. You know what they are to me? Crucified. The values of the world, they're worthless. In light of the cross of Christ, they're worthless. And also, I'm crucified to the world. You know the way I feel about the world? The world feels that way about me. And that is how we glory only in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.